0: Welcome back to Lexi's Lounge, your home for mind, body, business, and marketing. Today, I'm so excited for you to meet Maria, who is a holistic health and EFT practitioner. And we are talking about emotional eating and sugar addiction. This is an episode you will not want to miss, so grab your cocktail and we'll see you in the lounge. Maria, welcome to Lexi's Lounge. What are you drinking today? Hello, thanks for having me. Um, I actually have a cup of peppermint tea that I just made. I thought I'd brew it just in time for the chat. do you put honey or anything in it or do you just drink it straight yeah just the straight tea i just got into it like a couple of weeks ago oh it's so good i remember my cousin we went camping and she pulled out the peppermint tea and i was like this is really good i'd had it a few times before but maybe it's that confirmation bias (laughs) so (laughs) i'm super excited to have you on the show before we start can you give us a little background about yourself
1: Yeah, so uh, my name is Maria Bonita. I'm a holistic health and EFT practitioner, and I help women get an alignment by healing their relationship with food and sugar. And so I'm born in the UK. I'm currently living in South America, Colombia. And I was someone that for many years really struggled with eating habits, with sugar, with food, with binge eating. Um, I was kind of borderline obese. I was struggling emotionally as well. And I had no idea that, you know, this kind of the mind body connection. I, I didn't know that existed. <laughs> I just thought one issue was separate from the other. And um, yeah, I think when my dad died of lung cancer, he died quite quickly, like it was in a few months. Um, that was a big wake up call because that time, I was smoking cigarettes like and he had been smoking for a long time, right? I was drinking alcohol, I was eating sugar every single day. I was binge eating. I was um, you know, struggling with anxiety and stress and stuff. And I had no idea that it was connected. I didn't realize that, you know, there was a connection between the lifestyle that you have and the way that you feel. I thought they were two completely separate things. So yeah, it really began as like a personal journey, which eventually led me into becoming a health coach myself and really just kind of finding the tools and the ways that I can help clients through similar issues.
0: Yeah. It's crazy how sometimes we don't have the connection between what we put in our body and the things we choose to do daily have such an effect on our mental health, our physical health in general, and just our quality of life. So I love the work that you're doing. I want you to start by telling me a little bit about sugar because Halloween just happened and people are like binge eating the candy, you know, it's that time of year. And then especially going into the holidays with the pies and the cakes and all the yummy holiday food, what's the scoop on sugar? What do people need to know that they're not hearing? So I
1: think this is a a really complicated, can be a bit of a complicated topic, right? Because sugar really is um, a substance. And when I talk about sugar, I want to be clear that I'm referring mostly to refined sugars. I don't mean things like fruit and things like that, right? I wouldn't wouldn't, put that in the same category. But refined sugar in general, it's a highly processed substance um, of which none of us have any need for, right? We don't get any kind of benefits in terms of health, in terms of consuming it. Um, and I think that a lot of us are aware, for example, that you know it can cause diabetes, that it can cause these health issues. But a lot of us, what we don't realize is that it can also cause other things, like it, it calcifies the pineal. So if you have any kind of spiritual practice, or you are meditating, or you're doing anything like that, even just connecting to your intuition, it can kind of block it. So I think that that's something that people really should be aware of when they're thinking about these things. And um, on the other side, I kind of, I don't believe in the extremes because I think like you're saying, like it's Halloween, like there's probably candy around the house and stuff. And as soon as we get into this point of like trying to avoid it all and trying to restrict it, we go to the other side and we end up binging, which is one of the big issues that I used to have.
0: What's interesting about what you said about calcifying the pineal gland, I also heard that fluoride does that, like that's in our toothpaste and that our dentists put on our teeth. Yeah, have
1: you ever heard anything about that? Yeah. Yeah. And it's in the water supply as well. So, I mean, it's it's a really controversial topic because some dentists will say that it's really good for your teeth, that you need it, but sugar as well as fluoride, it calcifies the pineal gland. And depending on kind of, if you think this is just um some people say this is like on purpose to keep people like you know not conscious other people will say it's just you know the way things are at the moment but regardless i think it's something to keep in mind especially if you're someone that is looking to kind of have some kind of spiritual practice or you know connect with your intuition you just want to be aware of what effect it's going to have and also it's like a stimulant, right? Sugar is a stimulant. And so it's similar to like coffee. Like if you were drinking coffee all day long, that's going to have an impact on the way that you sleep. Right. And so I think we just, we just kind of don't really, we're not really aware of it. And I remember I used to binge a lot in the evenings and I didn't realize that it was going to affect my quality of sleep.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm totally one of those people after dinner. I'm like, "Mm, now I want something sweet, even though I'm like, stuff to the brim. It's like a weird habit, but I did do a no added sugar. So like the no granulated sugar diet, not really a diet. I just cut it out of my diet for a few months. And I saw so many health benefits. Like my brain fog went away. I lost weight. I just felt... "Ah." So when I did that, I completely changed my life. Like I... Um, had less brain fog, which I have right now. Um, I lost weight. I just felt better about myself in general. And I think it's really important to know that sugar is super addictive. And that's not what anybody in the world wants to hear, but it's one of, it's like, it should be classified as a drug because it's that addictive.
1: Yeah. It's, it's interesting, the conversation around addiction. And I'm happy that you, you brought this up because I think that it is when you when you discuss it on like a chemical level and you look at the biology and you look at the way that it's made as well because it's not just sugar on its own kind of thing like what we're coming across these days is highly refined sugar where for example um what candy companies do is they really investigate and they study our biology and they have things called craving experts who are just paid to study our biology and create products that have the exact amount of sugar combined with salt and fat usually and um you know perhaps some other things to be absolutely irresistible to us so that you're going to keep wanting more and more um and you're not it's not going to be too sweet that you're going to put it down or not sweet enough that you can just kind of leave it. it is is designed to sell so it's really designed with our biology in mind um, and so on that level, it's definitely addictive. And I, I personally, with the word addiction, I'm really careful about using it because I used to describe myself as a sugar addict and think yeah, I, was, I was addicted to it. But sometimes I think for some people, that word, like, it takes away their agency and it takes away their kind of ability to change. I think for some people, seeing sugar as addictive, it stops them from really like taking steps forward. So I think it's it's an interesting topic.
0: Yeah. I've never heard of it phrased that way, but it totally makes sense. Um, another thing that I have used the word ad- addictive to is food. Food, mm-hmm. when we have trauma or programming or uncomfortable things that come up in our lives, I've noticed because it was a problem that I've dealt with for years and years and years that I would use food as a crutch. I would use it as a coping mechanism. And I know that you talk about Mm relations with food. So can you go a little bit more into that and how we use food and how we we typically use food and how we should use food? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's really interesting because a lot of us Um, are emotional eaters and I think that everyone at some point maybe you know to a lesser or more extent has eaten in an emotional way to cover their emotions and that's because when you eat everything all of your five senses are being activated right all of them are being activated and on top of that you've got the gastric juices start flowing your digestive system turns on the blood starts going towards your digestive system and so it is a eating food is a fantastic way to temporarily block emotions. It's not a long-term solution. It's not the best solution, but it is a fantastic short-term solution. And so as humans, we're wired to always avoid pain, seek pleasure, avoid pain, seek pleasure. So when pain is something small, like it's just a stressful thought, right? It's not like um, a big real danger. Our brain is going to teach uh, treat it like it's a danger and therefore food is a really simple form of pleasure. So it's a kind of an escape for whatever we're dealing with. And most of us we're never taught kind of how to manage our emotions, right? I I definitely was never taught, and there's a range of different tools that I like to use with people. Like for example, um, EFT tapping is a fantastic one that I like to use. But you you want to start finding ways to um, deal with emotions that are not based on food. And I know it's something that a lot of people deal with. And there's something that a lot of us carry a lot of shame about as well. There's a lot of embarrassment and a lot of shame about using food in that way. So I think it's good that, you know, just to talk about it openly, because I definitely was, you know, an emotional eater for many, many years. And um, everyone has a relationship with food, right? Be that a positive relationship or be that a negative relationship, but we all have a relationship with food and we really want to start turning it to a place where we can enjoy food because food should be enjoyable and it should be pleasurable, but it should not be your first stop solution to your emotional issues. And if you are using it as a crutch, the first thing is just to kind of recognize that and and see that and acknowledge that, and then start looking for some tools. And for some people that might be, you know, practicing yoga and managing anxiety and stress. For other people it would be coaching. For other people it might be um, alternative therapies, like I mentioned EFT or hypnotherapy, right? But there's lots of different things you can do. And as soon as you take back your power and you manage your emotions, without food, you're actually going to start enjoying food way more because you're not going to feel guilty about it and you're not going to feel stressed and, and um, ashamed about your relationship with it.
0: Yeah. I think the first time that I realized that I was having any kind of negative relationship with food or that i was using it to fill a void was when i cut that sugar out and i realized Mm -hmm. that i don't need it even though the first three days were like super hard because you're changing you're breaking this habit yeah but i realized that when i started finding these alternatives that i was like oh i really don't need this or sometimes i would be like walking around my house and i'd be like oh my gosh i'm bored and then that's when i'd be looking for food but because there wasn't a lot of readily accessible snacks because once you cut out added sugar there is not a lot of things you can just eat you have to prepare things that are healthy which is great but when i was getting in the groove of that i would start to realize okay well this is what i have that i can have right now that has no added sugar and then most of the time i'd be like eh, that doesn't sound good and i would just not eat Because I wasn't hungry. It was, I was Mm -hmm. bored and it was out of habit. It was out of comfort. And once I started, once I unlocked that thought of, oh my gosh, I'm eating because I'm bored, and I finally actually witnessed it, then I could start witnessing when I was eating because I was uncomfortable. Or now, like the day I start my period, I'm always just craving junk food and sweets. And I let myself have that one day to eat like that. But then the rest, I have to be consciously mindful of, what i'm putting into my body and what i'm doing because i don't want to slip back into that comfort eating lifestyle because it may yeah. me overweight swollen uh inflamed and just generally unhealthy
1: yeah no that's so true and i i tend to compare it as well like a bit like with alcohol like if you you know have a really stressful day and you have a glass of wine like that's okay but if you're doing that every day like you know, there's an issue there. And I think it's the same thing with food. Like if, you know, you're occasionally doing something like that's okay. But if you're doing it as your main source and you don't have any kind of other emotional outlets, you don't have anything else. That's what you really want to like start being conscious of. Cause that, that was what it was for me. I had nothing else. I had no idea. I didn't do any exercise. It's like, cause you know, exercise is a great kind of way to de-stress or, you know, any of these other tools. So I just had food and I didn't, and I felt so stuck cause I didn't know what else to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah it's crazy how it, our lives can just, we could be brought up like that too. And something I noticed when I had kids was if my son is, he fell and hurt himself. My initial programming is to offer him something sweet or offer him some kind of food. So he feels comforted, but also mm-hmm. he stops crying. And I think that's a thing that a lot of parents do, Uh, I mean, and all parents have done it, like I have done it, but it's something that I think can create unhealthy relationships with food. If we do it unconsciously, if we just do it just to get them to stop crying, or if we try to make them feel better with it, because then they look at food as a tool for comfort instead of actually learning how to cope with hard emotions and pain in general. So something I really try with my son is when he's having hard emotions, I like get down on eye level with them. And I look him in the eye and I'm like asking him questions. And then i breathe with him. Like I guide him through breathing because I don't want him to continue that generational curse, trauma, whatever it is, that generational pattern of using food as a comfort tool instead of a healing mechanism because food can heal.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm so happy that you brought up this subject because um, I've spoken about this a few times and it's exactly what you're saying we get used to food especially like candy and sweet things as being a reward like either a reward for good behavior or for good work or as like you were saying as a comfort or soothing in a time of crisis or a time of kind of some kind of difficulty and I noticed that um a few years back I used to be a teacher and I realized that to even teachers do this right sometimes they'll give kids like prizes and the prize will be candy and it's I think it's a really really um it comes from a good place I think it comes from a place of like wanting to care for someone and wanting to be loving you know there's no kind of like malintent there but it really is harmful because as adults we continue the same thing and we think as well like if you've had like a long day at work and you've had a stressful day and you've got a lot done you go home and you think oh you know what I I deserve something good I deserve a little reward for everything I've been through but really like are you rewarding yourself right is it really gonna it's not really a real reward so I always say to people that have kids as well like instead of rewarding them with candy like can you reward them with certain privileges or certain allowances or you know kind of other things that they can do that isn't related to it because adults we carry it on and we carry those same patterns so I think that what you do with them um, with your child is, is a fantastic example of, of how to navigate that situation
0: yeah it's, it's such a complex world we live in, especially with all the moving parts and, you know, being a mom, trying to raise somebody that doesn't continue those same patterns and is a good functioning member of society and gives back good. So what are some healthy coping mechanisms that we can start implementing today. When we start feeling uncomfortable emotions, we've gotten to the point where we realize, okay, I'm not feeling good. I had had a stressful day. I want a glass of wine. I want that microwave mac and cheese. I want this, that, and the other thing that's probably unhealthy for your body. So what are some other ways that we can take care of ourselves, but also honor ourselves and relax.
1: So I would say that um, the first one, the simplest one is the acronym RAIN. So whenever you're feeling um, a negative emotion surface, anything that's coming up, the first thing you want to do R that starts with R is recognize what's going on. So just kind of like, okay, where am I um, feeling this? am I feeling this in my chest? Am I feeling this, you know, wh- whatever it is, because an emotion is just a vibration in your body. And if you can begin to describe it, you're like, okay, I'm feeling anxiety, I'm feeling fear, right? Try and name it. And then what you want to do is just like investigate um, investigate it with kindness. So you just want to kind of be curious and like, think about, okay, why am i feeling this am i feeling it because something happened because of what someone said um and the more that you just do that and you just sort of recognize and you allow it to be there so the a stands for allow like allow it to be there and don't try and get rid of it then you want to investigate it okay where did this come from and then naturally once you become aware of it you won't become so attached so what i mean by that is when you realize that you are experiencing anxiety for example you can't Be anxiety, you're just, you're a person experiencing this emotion and when you can begin to just kind of observe it, it will begin to lose its power over you, so I think that's like the first step is really kind of feeling it in your body, using it, naming it and allowing it to be there without trying to kind of force it and change it. Some other tools that I find um, really, really useful in general um, is like, like I mentioned, EFT tapping is a fantastic one for a lot of people. Meditation can also be a really, really great tool. Yoga can be fantastic for lots of people. I think there's not one thing that works for everyone. It's like you kind of have to find the tool that kind of helps you best. But really not kind of trying to avoid it i think that's the first thing not trying to avoid the emotion and escape it but as soon as you allow yourself to feel it
0: it starts to lose power i think what you said right there is if you're going to take anything away from this podcast it is to feel your emotions allow yourself to feel them but don't just know that you don't have to become those emotions if you did a bad thing that doesn't make you a bad person you can't always control what happens to you in life so just give yourself as much grace as you would give other people give yourself as much grace as you would give your kids as your parents as your friends as your family but put yourself up there first it's like the thing with the airplane you put your oxygen mask on first and then you help other people so why wouldn't you take care of yourself first and i always like to tell people to do one act of self-care a day. Do one thing that makes you feel really good, whether that be taking a bath or for me, it's doing yoga. I feel so good after I do yoga. Or even if it's just having a routine, like washing your face every day, brushing your teeth and doing like a journal prompt, do that. Do whatever makes you feel good and makes you feel like you are at your highest self and it's going to move you to that next level. And you'll start being, you'll start noticing in retrospect, the patterns and the habits that you've broken from honoring yourself in these tiny, tiny ways. I love that. Uh, Well, I just thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I just adored this conversation. I think it was short, punchy, but it was right to the point. And I appreciate that. And I hope the listeners from this podcast got so much from it because there were so many good nuggets in this episode. So where can people find you and how can they work with you?
1: So you can find me across most platforms at The Vida Bonita. Um, I'm probably most active on Instagram and I have a few different programs running at the moment. Um, So, yeah, keep in touch. I'm always uh, just a DM
0: away. Perfect. Well, we will definitely connect with you and we will chat with you soon. Thanks for hanging out with us in the lounge. Don't forget to subscribe, leave some love below and connect with us on social media. All of our handles are in the show notes. Also, if you want first access to these episodes, make sure to follow me on TikTok because I live stream the recording of them. How cool is that? Next week, I'm chatting with a life coach on how you can overcome your perfectionism and actually use it to your advantage. So we will see you then.